everyone, Dave Therrien here. Continuing in our series, The Kingdom of Heaven is like... It's like many things, Jesus said. Because he wants us to get a well-rounded understanding what that kingdom's all about. Think of this. Where there is a kingdom, there is a king. Where there is a king, there is a reign. So, in our series, The Parables of the Kingdom, we come to a parable with a different sort of a message. The previous parables had to do with the growth of the kingdom. Remember those? And they had to do with serving in the kingdom. But today we're going to see kind of a strange parable. The parable of the seed. The seed in the soil. And that has to do with God's kingdom come. That's a big part of understanding the kingdom, you know. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, part of that prayer was, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the goal of God. That as his will is done in heaven, it will be done on the earth. Now only Mark records this parable we're going to see today. There's another parable called the parable of the sower. And that stresses the importance of proper soil for the growth of the seed. But this one's different. This one is going to emphasize a mystery. That the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it's like a mystery. And we're going to see what that mystery is. We're in Mark chapter 4. In verse 26, and here's what Jesus said. He said, The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night. And he gets up by day, and the seed sprouts, and the seed grows. How he himself, how it does, he himself (laughs) does not know. He doesn't know how that happens. But here's what he does know. Verse 28. The soil produces crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. I'm wondering now, when Jesus told this parable, could it be a possible illusion to what Joel said in his little booklet, Joel 3.13, where the harvest is a figure of the consummation of God's kingdom, where this world is going to come to an end and something new is going to happen? Well, one thing's for sure. We don't know for sure. (laughs) This is about a mystery. And no one really knows the secret of life. Even the life of a plant, we don't know. We know that we sow it in the ground, it germinates, and it grows. But how things grow is beyond the mind of man. So this parable teaches us a few things. That number one, 
Man is helpless. And again, we're comparing this to the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so let's keep that in mind. Just like we don't know how a seed grows and we can't make it grow, we can we can kind of like observe it, but the magic, the mystery of it, we don't know. Kingdom of heaven is like that. That we are helpless. The farmer does not make the seed grow. He doesn't even understand how it grows, even if he's a good farmer. He can help it grow. He can cultivate, he can fertilize, he can water. But how it grows, that's beyond him. Point is, no one can create anything. Here's what we can do. We can rearrange. We can manipulate. We can maneuver. But we cannot create. We can't. We cannot create. Oh, here it comes now. This is what I'm getting at. We cannot create the kingdom of God. Okay? The kingdom belongs to God. Now, there are people that are trying to create the kingdom of God on the earth. It'll never happen. It's God's kingdom, and only he can bring it. There are people who are trying to bring the kingdom. They say, if we do this, we can bring the kingdom. If we do that, we can bring the kingdom. No, it's God's kingdom. I'm going to share an article that I found with you. It's from a devotional called Reflections for Your Journey. And it's called Creating the Kingdom of God. Now, you got to stay with me to the end, okay? Here's what it says. God's kingdom is less a place or an idea than it is a total commitment to love one another. For it is through our love of one another that we become the agents of God, willing to work to bring about God's kingdom on the earth in the present time. The kingdom is a union of free human beings united to God and to each other. It is the fullest manifestation of the transcendent holiness and incarnate wholeness of a divine being. The kingdom is already here, yet it's still to come. And it will come by God's grace with the free cooperation of the human race. This comes from Where is the Kingdom of God by a man named Reverend Bill Stroop. He is completely wrong. (laughs) Okay? That devotional is completely wrong. That's why, you you know, everything we read, you really got to check it out. You got to weigh it with the scriptures. Now, it is true. We can frustrate the Kingdom of God. We can give it opportunity to come more fully, but behind it all is the power and the will of God. God and God alone knows when his kingdom will come. No one else does, and we can't make it happen. We cannot manipulate God. So, not only does this parable tell us of our hopelessness in bringing the kingdom, it tells about the growth of the kingdom as well. Okay? Now, nature's growth is often imperceptible. We do not notice it happening. Just like with your children, right? You might see your child every day, and you don't notice his or her growth. But here comes grandma from California and says, oh, my, how you've grown. Point being, the growth is there, but we, when we see it every day, we don't recognize it. 
Okay? So, two things about the kingdom. We can't bring it. We're helpless. And number two, we we won't necessarily perceive its growth. But it's growing, don't you worry. Thirdly, nature's growth is constant. Oh, yeah. Verse 27. The farmer, right? He goes to bed at night. He sowed his seed. He goes to bed at night. And he gets up day by day. And the seed sprouts. And it grows. It's magic. But he doesn't know how. A lot of you are gardeners and you're getting antsy. Right? You're like, oh, man, I'm ready. I've been waiting all winter to get my seeds in the ground. But you got to wait. And then when you put your seeds in the ground and you give it sunlight and water, pretty soon, boop, little green sprout pops up. How did that happen? I don't know. We don't know how that happens. And then it grows. And then you know what? It gets bigger and bigger. And before you know it, it's bearing fruit or vegetables or whatever it is. How did that happen? We have no idea. We can observe it. We can help it, but we can't make it happen, and we don't know how it happens. So, but it's constant. It will grow a little bit every day. I don't think we're that good at being constant. I know I'm not. Sometimes on a spiritual journey, we take two steps forward, one step backwards, right? I know in my walk, man, I have a good season. I'm going great. And all of a sudden, boom, one day, falling backwards. What happened there? I don't know. And you get up and you keep going again. And you fall back again. And you get up and you keep going. You fall. See, we're not that constant. But the kingdom and God is constant. There's a line in the old hymn, Come Thou Font. And it's written by Robert Robertson when he was 23 years old. And the line in the hymn says, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's a beautiful song. Now, later on, his life followed that line, and he fell away from God. One day while riding a train, the woman sitting next to him was singing the hymn. Huh, how about that? She asked him what he thought of it, and he said, I am the poor, unhappy man who wrote that hymn, and I would give a thousand worlds to enjoy the feelings I had then. See, he wasn't constant either. He fell back. That's why, because we all do it. Paul said in Galatians 6.1, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. See, we need to pull each other up. When, like, we're all walking toward Christ likeness, right? And when somebody stumbles and falls, we pick them up. We get them going again. And when you stumble and fall, hopefully there's someone there to pick you up, and get you going again. That's what we do. That's what God's people do. We don't kick them when they're down. We pick them up and get them going. But see, God never falls back. God is faithful because he's constant. 
Okay? I am the Lord God. I change not. He's constant. You can always count on God. The fourth thing we learn from this parable, that growth is inevitable. Nature's growth is inevitable. There's nothing so powerful as growth. You can't stop nature's growth. Ever see a tree break through a sidewalk? You've seen that, right? Or a tree break through a driveway? Or break through concrete? Break through a rock? You've seen that? A tree grows right out of a rock. Man, it is the strongest power there is. Even more than a big boulder. It'll split that thing. So, in spite of man's rebellion and man's disobedience, God's work goes on. And nothing in the end can stop the purposes of God. We had great nations throughout history, right? The Babylonian nation. They were a great nation. They couldn't stop the work of God. The Assyrians, they couldn't stop the work of God. The Moabites, where are they? They couldn't stop the work of God. The Hittites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, where are they? Many other nations could not stop the plan of God. You can't. Because the kingdom of God is going to grow. And there's not a power on earth that's equal to it that can stop it from growing. So what we see is the growth of the kingdom is certainly certain. <laughs> about that? It's certainly certain. Now, get this. We got some crazy history in this world. In 1853 in England, people were thrown into prisons, women and children in crowded conditions. Many of them slept on the floor. And they begged for money. You see, why would they beg for money? What are they going to do with money in prison? Well, you know what they did? They had a bar in prison. And they could buy drinks, alcohol, in prison. <laughs> so they would beg for money so they could go to the bar in prison and drink. And nowadays, that would be unthinkable, right? In a civilized nation where the gospel has been preached and accepted. Right? Who would do that? You know, even in some Middle Eastern countries, there are still punishments that do not fit the crime. They don't. As a matter of fact, there's an excerpt from a book written by a Muslim woman who escaped Sharia law in her native country. And the book is called Cruel and Usual Punishment by Noni Darwish. And here's what she said in that book. As a young teenager, I watched an American movie that showed a Christian wedding ceremony in a church. And I watched with eagerness the marriage vows in the presence of the pastor, with both bride and groom, pledging to be loyal to one another. I could not help but compare that with the Muslim marriage ceremony, where loyalty is not expected from the husband to the wife due to polygamy. Now, you know, this is true. I've witnessed this myself. Our church makes missionary trips to Togo, West Africa, just about yearly. And I remember on my first trip, I was speaking to uh, a young lady there, and she was she had just become a Christian, but she was a Muslim. 
and she just became a Christian. And I said, why did you become a Christian? She said, because when I get married, I want my husband to have just one wife. I want to be that wife. And she understood the value of Christianity. And she understood her need to be loved. And that's such an important part of marriage, fulfilling the need to be loved. So she converted. She converted because she wanted to be the one wife of a husband. What else does this parable of the seed teach us? It teaches us that there is a consummation, that there is an end of all things. In verse 29, Jesus said, But when the crop permits, in other words, when it's fully grown, the farmer, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Right? The reason that he plants all of these seeds is so he can have a harvest. He brings in the harvest, and that's his food. It's to sustain life. So at the end of the growing season... There's the harvest time, the consummation of the growing season. So when we think of consummation, we're reminded of three things, because life as we know it is going to come to a consummation. It is. It's going to come to an end. So we're reminded of three things, okay? Number one, as we're waiting for God's harvest time, we need to be patient. I know some of us, like, we want it right now. How many times a week do you say, Lord Jesus, come today? (laughs) Come right now. I I probably say that at least once a week. Oh, Lord, come now. Come now. You know, when I see that commercial for the SPCA on TV and all those abused dogs, you know what I say? Oh, Lord, come now. (laughs) Come now. So these dogs don't have to suffer like this. Come now. We want God's kingdom to come right now. But remember this, God has all eternity in which to work. You know, Psalm 90 verse 4 says that a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by, or as a watch in the night. Hmm. See, God's not limited to time. Peter said, do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved. That with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. Wow. You know, I think of that, and I'm like, ooh, 6,000 years of man, six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. How soon are we to the coming of Christ? Well, he will come and rest and set up his kingdom. Huh. It's another story. Reminds me of the guy that came to Jesus and said, Lord, seeing a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. Can I have a million dollars? Jesus said, yeah, in a minute. (laughs) Consummation means not only we need to be patient, but we need to have hope. We are living today in an atmosphere of despair. What is despair? It means to surrender, to give up hope, to have anguish, throw in the towel, 
You ever feel like that? Just going to chuck the whole thing and walk away. That's despair. But when you live in despair, you feel like the game is up. When it really isn't, it's not up. Keep going. Keep going. Keep on pressing on. The consummation will come, don't you worry. But not now. Thirdly, it teaches us that we need to be prepared. If there is a consummation, and there is, we need to be ready for it. It's too late to prepare once it is upon us. Remember the parable of the ten virgins Jesus told? They were waiting for the bridegroom, and five bought extra oil for their lamps, and five did not. And then finally at midnight, the bridegroom came, and the bridesmaids, the virgins, they all got up, and five of them that had the extra oil, they could retrim their lamps and go with the wedding. They were the wedding party. And the other five said, oh, no, our lamps have gone out. We don't have any more oil. Give us some of yours. They're like, oh, no way, Jose. Go to the store. Go buy your own. I think Ace Hardware is still open. Go down there. So they went out and they tried to buy oil. By the time they came back, they were locked out. They were locked out of the reception hall. Point being, you've got to be prepared. Are you ready? Are you ready for the return of Christ? How about this? Because we know what's going to come first, the rapture. Are you ready? Are you ready if the rapture came right now? How's your spirit? How's your soul? Are you ready for the Lord to call you up and bring you home? See, if God is the God that we believe in, the game is not up until he says it is. So you know what I say? Stay in the game. Stay in the game. Hey, maybe we're in the last quarter. We probably are. Oh, yeah, maybe we're in the two-minute drill. You know, in football, the two-minute drill, it's like, man, it's the last two minutes of the game. They work extra diligently to make that final score. And maybe in the day and age in which we're living, we need to be extra diligent in our walk with Christ. Be more prayerful. Be more teachable and humble. Be more serviceable. Have a greater anticipation of the Lord calling us up to the marriage of the Lamb. To be more conscious, more aware. Peter said, be on the alert. Because your adversary, the devil, oh, that dirty devil. He prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That word devour, you know what it means? To drink down until there's nothing left. That's his game. His game is to empty you out so there's nothing left. That's why you got to stay close to the shepherd. We're the sheep. He's the shepherd. You got to stay close. Stay as close as you can to that good shepherd. So that seed, the parable of the seed, it's a mystery. How it germinates, we don't know. How it breaks out of the shell, we don't know. How it shoots up through the ground, we don't know. How it grows into a big plant, we don't know. How it bears fruits and vegetables, we don't know. But we do know this, it does. It works and it does. So how does the kingdom of God grow? 
So much of God is still a mystery. But we know that it's real. And we know that it's constant. And we know that it's growing. And we know know that there's no power that can stop it. And we know that we are helpless to bring it. It's all God. It's all God. We can't bring it, but no one can stop it. It's all in the timing of God. Thy will be done. God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. His kingdom will come when he's ready. And we can't bring it and no one can stop it. So we anticipate it. We wait for it. We prepare our hearts. We live for it. And it's going to come. And be like the five bridesmaids that had the oil and they went in. Don't be like the ones that got locked out because they were sleeping. Be like the ones that were ready. Ready and prepared. That's how we have to live. We have to be ready and prepared for the next big thing that God is going to do. And he's going to do it. Paul said at the last trumpet, that trumpet will blow and the dead in Christ will rise and we which are alive will be caught up together with the Lord forever to be with him. That's an incredible thing. That's what we are anticipating. And that's what we're living for. And that's why we are awake. Awake and ready. And we're going to stay in the game. We're not going to walk away. I kind of like this one. I like this one because it reminds me that things won't always be like they are. There will be a consummation. Like every game has an ending. Every baseball game, every football game has an ending. Every tennis match has an ending. Every soccer game, every work day. It's going to be an ending to this life. But while we're waiting, we're going to be diligent. We're going to be fired up for God. If you want to be doubly inspired, go to the Hope Hope Club Podcast and listen again. The Hope Club Podcast. Look for the message, the kingdom of heaven is like seed in the soil. That's it. That's what we talked about today. It's a mystery. We don't need to know everything to follow Christ. We just need to have faith and follow him. Thank you for coming along. We'll see you next time for more.